show you where we're going tonight, and then we're going to get moving because I got a lot I want to share. We started this a couple weeks ago before Marlene came. We started this lesson, and we left off with Foundation 3, which is about childlike faith. So that's where we're going to start today. We're going to talk about childlike faith, and then we're going to go into Lesson 6, and we're going to do the first couple foundations, which is about... (laughs) This is good. It's about... Building up the faith that God has deposited in you and how we can do that by renewing our mind to God's word. So those are the two big things that we're going to talk about today. We're going to start with childlike faith. I was healed about 11 years ago. In fact, it was 11 years ago in this month, in June that I received my healing of cancer. I was diagnosed in February. I, was, I got the confirmation of healing in June. And shortly after I was healed, I was talking to God and asking him, I said, God, what did I do to receive? Because I want to be able to tell other people. I went from stage four cancer to no cancer, and I didn't have medical treatment. It's not because I chose not to have medical treatment. It's because the way that the tests and the waiting and the tests and the waiting happened. And I know that God was ordaining my path. But at the end of that six months, I was healed, completely healed. And I've been healed, and I'm going to stay healed all the days of my life. Amen. (laughs) Praise him. But I asked him, I said, God, what did I do? Because I want to be able to tell other people. And he spoke in my heart and just dropped this word in me. And I didn't know what it was, but he said, you have childlike faith. So then I started going to the Bible to see what is childlike faith. What does the Bible say about childlike faith? So that's what we're going to talk about today. The first scripture I'm going to read from the Message Bible. And I, what I would do if I were you is I would take this scripture and I would look at lots of different translations because there's a lot of depth to this whole thing about childlike faith. So I just read one translation after another to get as much as I can about what God means by childlike faith. This is Matthew 18, verse 1 through 4. At about the same time, the disciples came to Jesus asking, who gets the highest rank in God's kingdom? For an answer, Jesus called over a child. So there's this huge question. There's this big question. And it was, who gets the highest rank in the kingdom of God? Like, what's the best, God? What's your best? And this is what he did. He called over a child whom he stood in the middle of the room. And this is what he said. I'm telling you once and for all that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Whoever becomes simple and elemental again, like this child, will rank high in God's kingdom. Friends, God's kingdom is here on earth. You don't have to die to get to God's kingdom. God's kingdom is available, is, is not just available, it's ours. As soon as we receive Jesus as our Savior. I don't want you to think you're not going to get to heaven if you don't have childlike faith. But what Jesus is saying here 
is that in order to receive the benefits of the kingdom, in order to be a part of the kingdom of God and all of his gifts for us, his amazing goodness, we need to become simple and elemental and childlike. I think I have a gift for that. I think it's easy for me, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because I've been an elementary teacher for years. But to be childlike, it's easier for me than to try to figure it out. I've come to the conclusion long ago that I'm never going to understand stuff intellectually. But I can trust God. I can trust him and say, God, I don't get it. And I do that all the time. I don't understand it, but I'm choosing to trust you. So let's talk about some of the characteristics of being childlike. And as we do, we're going to have some little periods of reflection to look at ourselves and see where we're at in that place, of, in that characteristic of childlikeness. Now, many of us are coming from different um, entry points in our walk with God. You might be a brand new um, uh, seeker. You might be a brand new child of God. Maybe you haven't even asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Maybe you've been like I was. I went to church every single week, but I didn't have a relationship with God. I had a religion, but I didn't have a relationship at the beginning of my walk. Maybe that's where you're at. That was actually a good place to start because it was from ground zero and everything I was receiving was, was fresh. I was like a blank sheet of paper. And everything that I was receiving, it was like filling it up with truth. It was really a good place to start. You might be in a place where you are looking at all of your options. You might be seeking medical help. There's nothing wrong with seeking medical help. We say do everything you can do. Just put Jesus at the top. But you might be, you know, like I, I was doing this. I was covering all my bases. I was going to the doctor. I was also doing lots of prayer. I was covering all my bases. You might be doing some research. You might be going to medical doctors. And this might be something else you're, you're doing. You know, seeking God and what God has. So that might be where your entry point is. Your entry point might be a person like Tom and Fran, who are powerful, uh, strong, mature Christians who know God's word and apply God's word in every facet of their lives. But no matter if you're where Tom and Fran are or where you were, where I was when I started or you're somewhere in between, doesn't matter. God says his best is for us to come with childlikeness. Sometimes it's harder if you're in Tom and Fran's position to be childlike. And to be completely trustworthy because you know so much depth about God. But he says, oh, that doesn't matter. I want you to come to me with a heart wide open to receive everything that I have for you and to trust me. If you're in the middle of a storm or if you are on cloud nine, trust me. The first quality of childlikeness that I'd like to talk about today is humility. Humility. First, I'm going to talk about a kid, a little one. Part of humility is being submissive. Part of humility uh, for a child 
is to be submissive to their parents. They are under their parents' authority. They are under their parents' um, watch. Their parents are taking care of them. But the other part of humility is being in a position of dependence. Kids depend on their parents. They have to. They aren't able to take care of themselves. They depend on their parents to take care of all of their needs. To be fed, to be clothed, to be protected, to be provided for. They're dependent on their parents until they're much, much older. God's best for us is to be dependent on him Now, in this world, that's not seen as a strength. In this world that we live in, it's seen as a strength to be independent. But that's not God's best. God wants us to be dependent on Him. I want to tell you the opposite of humility, and this is where I was when I I was diagnosed with cancer. The opposite of humility is being self-sufficient. The opposite of humility is looking at yourself, saying, because of what I've done, I'm in this place. It's almost a pride kind of thing. It's not humility. That's where Cindy was 12 years ago. I worked hard to do the things that I did, both in my home, with my kids, with my, home, with my house, with my marriage, in my job, especially in my job. I worked hard, and I attributed where we were to my hard work, to my gifts. It wasn't humble at all. I was not dependent on anyone, especially God. I was not dependent on God. Then all of a sudden I was put in this position with cancer, with stage four cancer, where I couldn't control it, where I couldn't do something to fix it. And when I was introduced to Jesus and came to know him personally, the dependence was awesome to be able to lean on God and give my problem to him a lot you know every day many multiple times a day in prayer and and in going to him and releasing it to him instead of carrying it on my shoulders depending on him that was one of the characteristics of childlikeness that I, I had at the beginning and I believe I still have but what has happened and I believe this is important for all of us, is it's not just about healing. That's not God's best. His best is for us to be dependent on him for everything. For every, every, everything. And that happens as we give him our lives, as we let him take care of us, as we stop being self-sufficient and start being sufficient in his sufficiency. I want to tell you a danger. Um, If you hear this coming out of your mouth, just 
take note. If you hear yourself saying, I know that, I know that, I know that. Maybe um, you're, you're dealing with something in your body and we're talking to you about God's word or we're talking to you about, um, uh, I don't know, the, the, some, some guidance we're giving you. And if you hear yourself saying, yes, I know that, yes, I know that, yes, I know that, be careful, be careful. Because that could be a sign that you're not open, you're not being teachable to what God has for you. And maybe it's something you've already done, but maybe God's going to give you a revelation, but you're not open to it because you've got something in your way that's saying, I know that. So if you hear that coming out of your mouth, just take heed and say, God, I'm just not going to say that. I'm going to listen and I'm going to see what you have to say to me and for me for right now because I want more and I need more. So I'm going to give you one analogy and then we're going to move on to the next, um, the next characteristic. Um, my husband's a woodworker. He's an amazing carpenter. Those of you who know him know that, well, when he puts his hands to something, it is beautiful. It is perfect. When he finishes it, it's amazing. And he's got tools. Oh, you would love his tools if you're a carpenter. <laughs> he's got all the best. He won't work with anything but the best tools. He has all those tools, but those tools don't do him any good unless they're in his hands they can sit in his workshop forever and they're not going to create a masterpiece unless they're in his hands father god needs us to let ourselves be put in his hands so that he can create the masterpiece that he wants so badly to create in us but we have to give ourselves to him. I call it a divine exchange. And it's ongoing. It's not just a one-time thing. Yes, when we ask Jesus to be our Lord, that's the first time that we say, God, I give you me. I give you my heart. I give you control. But it's ongoing. Every day, every season that we're in, I believe that we need to continuously give ourselves to him in surrender so that he can do within us and with us what he wants to do and create that masterpiece. So let's do a little self-reflection now. We're not, these are questions, but they're, they're, um, they're just to think about. Do you see yourself in control? Do you have pride in your achievements? Or have you surrendered all of your accomplishments to the Lord and given him the glory for blessing you with the ability to achieve those goals? The next characteristic of childlike faith that I'd like to talk about is trust. I want to go back again to a little kid. Think about a child. Think about how they trust their mom and dad. They don't worry if there's going to be dinner on the table, if it's a wholesome, healthy home. They don't worry about, about if they're going to have their needs met. They trust their parents to take care of them. They're not afraid 
if mom and dad are there, if mom or dad are there taking care of them. They'll do anything if mom or dad are there. They trust them. Father God wants us to be in that place of trust. The scripture reference that I'd like to look at is one that we're all probably very familiar with. In fact, we're just going to read it from the screen. Um, It's Proverbs 3, verse 5. In fact, would you read it with me, please? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Okay. The first part's easy. The second part's not quite so easy. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. But then the lean not on your own understanding is the hard part. Because again, it goes back to that thing about humility. We want to fix it ourselves often. Because we've been able to in most circumstances or in a lot of circumstances. The problem is it would be way better if we would trust God with every circumstance. But he says, trust me. And don't try to figure it out yourself. Trust me. You don't need to know what's going to happen next. Just trust me without leaning on your own understandings. In a few weeks, we're going to be talking about relationship with God. That is fundamental to trusting him. You can't trust somebody that you don't know. You can't trust someone that you don't have a relationship with. I'm not going to go up to a stranger and put my trust in them. I'm not going to do it. If I have my purse on my shoulder in the grocery store, it's, going to st- it's not going to stay in the cart when I'm not, I'm not going to walk away from it. I'm not going to trust somebody. I don't, under- I don't know. But with somebody that I have relationship with, I will trust. My husband has proven his faithfulness to me. He is consistently faithful. He has been consistently faithful. In many ways, in our marriage, in, our, in his fidelity, in his, um, you know, he's so trustworthy. I can trust him to help me when I need help. I can trust him to support me. I can trust him to do all sorts of things for me. And I have a relationship with him. You know, it's, it's, it's been ongoing communication and time spent together. Lots of communication and lots of time spent together. We had our 34th wedding anniversary on Saturday. A lot of time spent together. Yes. But I trust him because of that. And the same thing is true with Father God. We'll go into a lot more depth when we talk about relationship. But in order to trust Father God, you need to know Father God personally and have a relationship with him. As you develop a relationship with him, he's going to give you the, 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 the basis for trust. Like, he's, like I've shared a couple things today in the middle of the night where he just filled me up to the overflow with his fullness. That gives me a good reason to trust him because he's so good to me, because he loves me so much. But it's not me, just not just me. He loves all of his kids like that. As we come into relationship with him, You come to know that. And you can trust him. So trust is a fruit of a relationship in which you know you're loved. And as you know you're loved by the Father, that's the birthplace of trust. 
some of the, the results of that trust is confidence, assurance, security, and dependence on him, on God, and on his word. If Kent tells me something, I believe him. I trust his word. This is Father God's word. And when you have relationship with him and trust him, you trust his word. The fruit of of this trust is relying on him, relying on his character, his ability, his strength, his truth. So the first two characteristics, surrender and trust, are ongoing. This childlike surrender, this childlike humility and trust are the beginning point, but they're also the ongoing um, part of, of childlike faith. Every day. Ongoing. It's not just at the beginning, but it's ongoing. It's the foundation and the continuing foundation of our faith. So let's do a little reflection, a self-reflection about trust. Have you completely and continuously put your trust in the Lord as your healer? Or are you playing catch with the problem, giving it to God and then taking it back? Giving it to God and then taking it back. Now, if you are doing that, and I've done it many times, just say, oh, God, I did it again. I gave it to you. I put my trust in you. And then I tried to figure it all out myself, and I started to make my list of what I was going to do next. We've all been in that place. But when you recognize it, that's why I wanted to do these reflections. When you recognize it, you can say, okay, God, help me to trust you without trying to figure it out on my own. Now, that being said, go to the doctor. Absolutely. And yes, sometimes you have to make decisions about treatment or about, um, you know, whatever it is. Put God at the top. Go to him and say, God, help me to make this decision. And he will. And then ask him for confirmation. And he'll give that to you as well. The third characteristic of childlike faith that I'd like to talk about is to simply believe. Notice the word simply. Sometimes we make believing too hard. Simply believe. Think about our little ones. They believe mom and dad. Boy, do they believe them. As a teacher, those kids took my word as gospel truth, which it was. <laughs> but they believe me. They look up to me and they believe me. Sometimes parents would come and say, would you tell so my, my child that they have to do their homework? Because if you tell them, they'll do it. <laughs> if I tell them, they won't. They believe me. The, the, your own children. I don't know, uh, you know, the whole Santa Claus thing I completely disagree with now at this stage of my life. But when, I, when my kids were little, I didn't know better. And we, you know, we did the whole Santa Claus thing. And my kids believed me. They believed in the tooth fairy. They believed in Santa Claus because Mama told them so. They believed me. They didn't question it. That is so far-fetched, you know? How could somebody go over the whole world and deliver packages in one night but they believed me because mama said so father god says believe 
believe with childlike believing. Believe simply. You don't have to understand it. And that's the important part. That's the biggest point I want to make about believing. In this world, intellectual understanding is highly regarded. God says, "Uh uh-uh. You don't need to intellectually understand. In fact, sometimes that gets in the way. If you think you have to understand everything before you believe it, you're not going to. There's a difference between intellectual understanding and spiritual knowing. Spiritual knowing is, we're going to go into that in depth in the next the second half of this lesson in the next week or two. Spiritual knowing is birthed from the supernatural. And I don't mean some weird thing. I mean Holy Spirit, Father God, truth. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Spiritual knowing is simply believing God at his word without understanding it. So when you're in that process of trying to figure things out, you might want to say something like this. Say, God, I don't understand this. I'm not even going to try to understand this. I'm going to choose not to try to figure it out intellectually. I just believe you. The Bible is the foundation of our believing. God's word is the foundation of our believing. And Believing that this is God's word, that it's his living word, is ground, foundation, important. If you don't believe that God's word is God's word, that's the starting point. Where do you base your theology? Do you base your theology on experience? Before I was healed, I didn't know one person who was healed, ever, that I knew personally. I might have read stories about people healed. I had never known anybody who had been healed. If I had based my theology on what I had seen or experienced, I wouldn't be here today. Don't base your theology on experience. Don't base your theology on what man says. When I, before I was healed... Before I came to know what I know now, I was taught incorrectly. I was taught that it isn't always God's will to heal. I was taught that miracles did happen, that God could heal, but that that wasn't always God's will to heal. I based my theology, I used to base my theology on what man said, but it didn't line up with the word. Your understanding of God should be based on his word, his truth. We have delved into the Bible to show you the truth that it's God's will to heal. If if this is your first time tonight, let me just say one thing. You've read the Gospels. You've read the accounts. You've read about Jesus when he was on this earth. You've read... Account after account after account of individual miracles and these big uh, blanket miracles where everyone was healed. 
There are 18 accounts of individual healing in the Bible, of individual people. And then there are 17 different accounts where Jesus healed all who were in need. That alone shows me that it's God's will to heal. If it, and there's a whole lot more. But that in itself. And then the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it says that he never did anything that wasn't his father's heart. That the father didn't give him. That the father didn't put in him. That's the father's will. It is his will to heal. So we need to base our theology on the word and simply believe I'm going to go to two scriptures, and we're not going to go into depth with these today. We will in a few weeks with both of these scriptures. But I just want to show you what the Bible says about the Bible. The first one is 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's open our Bibles if you have them. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's what I want you to underline. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. With this inspired word of God, he gives it to us to take care of all of our needs and to equip us to live the life in the kingdom that he has for us to live. And the next scripture is Hebrews 4.12. I'm going to turn there in my Bible as well. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful. It's not just words on a page. It's alive. It's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The most important thing I want you to hear in this scripture today is that the word of God is living and powerful. We're going to go into more depth about what the rest of the scripture means when we talk about the importance of reading God's word. But what I want you to see today is that to be childlike, to have childlike faith, our part is to simply believe, to trust his word, even if you don't understand it in your head, to trust his word, to simply believe. That's what I did. I had stage four cancer. The doctor's report said you have no, there's no cure, period. God's word says, by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. I did not understand it, but I chose to believe it simply. And I say, God, I believe you. You said by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. I believe you. Childlike, simply believing. Let's look at the reflection. Do you believe the words of man or the word of God? Do you question the validity of the Bible? 
Remember Abraham, the father of faith. He was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Are you fully convinced? The fourth quality of childlike faith that I'd like to talk about is obedience. With our kids, as a parent, part of our responsibility is to teach them and to guide them and to mold them so that they grow up to be good people. And in order to do that, we have to teach them to be obedient because we know what's important for them. Obedience is a very important characteristic of childlikeness. Kids might not always understand why. Sometimes it's because mother said so, because your dad said so. But they better be doing it. They better be obedient. And Father God says the same thing to us. His best for us is to do his word, is to follow his guidance when he guides us in whatever way that might be. The scripture that I would like to share with you is John 10.10, but this is from the New Living Translation. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So the enemy, Satan, the thief, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. There's a lot of stealing and killing and destroying going on in the world. There's a lot of stealing and killing and destroying going on all over the place. But God says, my purpose is that you would have life and have that fullness of life. I want you to put your hand right here right now on your belly. Father God, I thank you that you have provided for us fullness of life. I thank you, Jesus, that your purpose for us is to have that fullness of life, that there's no hole in us that's empty, but that we are filled to the overflow with you, with your fullness, with your love, with your goodness. I thank you, Father, that you came to give us a full life, to the overflow, full to the overflow, overabundance. Oh, God, you are more than amazing. I thank you for that fullness right now, Father. I pray that every one of us are filled up and that we receive that fullness and that we receive your purpose for us and not the enemy's. See, when you know about the enemy's purpose and, the, and God's purpose, then you can recognize if he's trying to have his way. I want to yield to that fullness. Yield means give way. Let God fill me. Let him. <laughs> Pretty childlike. I just say yes. Yes. Like that word that he gave me, I forgot it. Beyond amazing. Beyond amazing. As he, as I was just filled in that 
with that encounter of God in the middle of the night last night, I didn't question. I didn't ask God why or how or what does this mean. It was like, God, you are beyond amazing. That's all. And I just enjoyed it. God, you are beyond amazing. So this thing about obedience is to yield to him. Sometimes he gives you directions. Sometimes it's a, Cindy, this isn't good for you. Sometimes it's a, Cindy, don't go in this direction. Sometimes it's a, a, a lack of, um, oh, what's the word? Um, it's, it's a... I don't like to use the word feeling because I don't want you to think I just go by feelings. But I have uh, uh, something in me that says, no, don't do that. Even if it's something that you would think I should do. Sometimes it's a God thing or some, or I think it is. It's like uh, teaching somewhere or going somewhere to minister to somebody. And God says, mm-mm. There's a check. That's the word. There's a check in my heart. And I have learned that it's God. It's not Cindy. So follow his lead. It might be a check to say no. It might be an encouragement to do, to go and do. It might be to stop something that you've been doing. I'll give you an example, a very small example. Um, Kent, I think I've shared this before recently, where he didn't like water. He drank tons of soda, lots Two cans in one sitting. Two cans of Coke in one sitting. And, and he didn't drink any water. He didn't like water. He got a very clear direction and confirmation from God. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't God saying, you need to drink water. That's not what it was. It was through um, a godly person. And it was through a couple of other, it was one or two or three different things. And when he stopped drinking Coke and started drinking water, he felt so much better. But he was directed to do that, and he did it. He was obedient. So it might be something like that. But God says, my best for you is to be obedient. So let's look at the reflection. Faith with obedience will move mountains, but they must go hand in hand. Allow the water of God's word to cleanse you and obey God's direction for you whatever that is. Okay. So those are some reflections to take with you. Those are some characteristics to take with you. Oh, boy. It's 10 after 8. But we're going to go right now to a couple more scriptures. If you look at the Prayer of Faith Part 2 in your Bible study, starting on page 38. I want to go here tonight because I think it's important to give you a step on building up that believing, that simply believing We talked about simply believing, and you might be thinking, that's easier than said than done, Cindy. I have a doctor's report that says whatever it says, and it's in your face, and you might have symptoms. You might have stuff going on in your life, and you're saying, it's hard to simply believe. So how do I do that? Help me. What do I do? Well, God gives us the way to grow up that believer in you, to grow up that knowing, that I call it spiritual knowing. Instead of intellectual understanding, spiritual knowing. 
So let's see how that works. We're going to look at three scriptures. The first one is Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 10.17. The word I'd like you to, to focus on is the word word that's underlined up there. The Greek translation of that word is rhema. The Greek word is rhema. A rhema word from God. There are two kinds of words from God. One is logos and the other is rhema. A logos word is kind of a general word from God. Every word in here is logos. It's his word. It's God-breathed. It's inspired by God. But a rhema word is when those words that were written by God, by the Holy Spirit of God, are deposited right in your heart. It's really cool when he does that. Many times, if you read the Bible, he just does it. You'll be reading the Bible and something will, will just really settle in your heart. And it's like God is talking right to you for exactly what you need. Have you ever had that happen? Raise your hand if you've been reading the Bible and, and something in there is just like, I, I like to say it, instead of eight font, it like is like 16 font. It's like raises right off the page and it's like, oh my gosh, that's just for me. That's a rhema word. That's one way that word can become rhema. I believe another way is this, because it says so in the Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. Um, Yvonne, would you go back and get the Charles Capps book and the little orange book for me, please? I meant to have it with me and I forgot to bring it. Word can become rhema. She's grabbing one for me. Word can become rhema as we speak it, as we hear it, as we speak God's word, as we hear God's word, as we speak it and as we hear it, over and over and over again, as we meditate on his word. Meditate means you speak it over and over and over. You talk to yourself about his word. As you do that, that word becomes rhema to you. It becomes part of your very heart. It becomes spiritual knowing. Now, when you first start reading God's word, sometimes it's in your head. Sometimes it's intellectual. You read it, it goes in your head. You read it, it goes in your brain. You read it, you think about it. But as you do that, over and over, it becomes, it, goes, it gets deposited in your heart. The reason I asked Yvonne to go get these little books, we, there's a lot more than what we have here, but these are two that we always have available. These are simply little books of scripture about healing. That's all it is. It's from the Bible. They're a little bit different. This one is paraphrased. That means that it's not direct scripture. It's based on scripture, but it's not directly scripture. But it's all about all kinds of things to do with healing. This one is exact scripture from the Bible. And then on each page, it has scripture at the top. And then under the line, it has a prayer based on the scripture. So you're praying 
the word of God. Sometimes you hear it called confessing God's word. When I first heard that, it was weird to me because I thought confession was when you went to God and told him the things that you, you had sinned or whatever. I was brought up Catholic and that was confession. But the word confession means to agree, to agree. As you confess God's word, you're agreeing with God. You are coming into agreement with him. So when I was diagnosed with cancer, my friend Jenny, when she prayed with me for salvation, she gave me this little book and she said, Cindy, this is your medicine. Take this, take this, just like you would your other medicine. Take this as medicine. It's healing. We're going to talk more about that next week. It's healing. And so I did just obedience, childlike obedience. I didn't understand it. I didn't know why. But I took the scripture and I started reading them, the the healing scriptures, over and over and over and over and over and over again. And over time, God's word became real to me. At first, it felt like a fairy tale. When I'm reading by the stripes of Jesus, you're healed. When I'm reading, Cindy, speak to that mountain, and it has to move. When I was reading that, it was like... It doesn't seem real to me. It sounds like a fairy tale, God. God's word is truth. And as I spoke that word over and over and I heard it, it says faith comes by hearing. You need to say it out loud, not silently. As I spoke that word over and over, it became deposited in my heart. And I came to a place where I believed God's word more than I believed the doctor's report. That's... What happens when you hear it over and over and over again? It becomes part of your heart. The next scripture, 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15. If you have your Bibles here, would you turn there, please? 1 John 5. I love this one. Actually, I wanted to go to John 15. Go ahead and go back to John 15. I'm not going to turn there because of time. I'm just going to read it. If you live in me... Abide, vitally united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. I wanted to read this scripture because we just read the one that says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This one says that if we are abiding with God and his word is in me, that word is also rhema. And his rhema remains in me and continues to live in my heart. Ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. This is the scripture about the vine and the branches. Where Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. As we agree with God. As we pray the word of God about whatever it is your need is. These are books about healing, but there are scriptures in the Bible about pretty much any need you have. And as you take his promise, his word, and use it as a prayer, this is what happens. The life of the vine. I'm feeling a really heavy anointing right now. The life of the vine is infused into the branch. The life of the word. If you're declaring words of healing from the Bible, God's word, the life of that word. Remember, it's alive and powerful. 
Remember, it's God-breathed. The life of that word goes from the vine into the branch. It goes into you. It's infused into your spirit, into your heart. I know that that's the truth. I know it through experience. How many of you know it through experience? Look at the hands. These people have taken God's word, declared it. It has become deposited in our hearts. And we know it's true. Now would you go to the next scripture, Tom? And I'm going to read this out of my Bible. This is a bonus. The other two are awesome. It's truth that God's word is infused. It's truth that when you hear God's word, faith grows, the muscle of faith grows. But this is a bonus. And this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, in agreement with his own plans, he listens and hears us. And if, since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possessions the requests made of him. Here's the bonus. It says in the scripture that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that we have it. When you're praying the word of God about healing, you know it's his will. Because it's his word. You don't have to ask, God, is this your will? Because you're praying his will. How many of you have heard it said, um, if it be his will, when you're in prayer? God, if it's your will, okay, you've heard that prayer, right? Well, if it's from his word, do you agree that it is his will? Yes. So when you, and that's the only reason I'm holding these books up is because it has scriptures from this book. That is a bonus. You don't have to wonder. It is his will. Okay. Now, this is where we're going to close today. God says, Cindy, Michelle, Jerry, take my word. It's going to build your faith. Now, this is what he does. We go with me to Isaiah chapter 55. There is creative power in the spoken word. God's creative power in the spoken word. Verse 10 and 11, Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Mm. God compares his spoken word to the rain and the snow, feeding the earth, giving it life, sprouting those seeds so that they grow and they produce fruit. Rain doesn't come down and without doing what it's supposed to do. It doesn't come down and go back up without watering the earth. Do you agree with that? God says neither does his word. His word doesn't go forth and come back to him or come back wherever without 
doing what it was sent to do without prospering, without accomplishing that which it was sent to do. So as we pray the word of God, our faith is growing. His life is being infused into us so that we can believe God. Our mind is being renewed and that word is going forth with the creative power to change the circumstance so that what the doctor said couldn't possibly happen, happens. And not only what the doctor was anticipating, but the back, the arthritis in the back as well. Right, Beth? The cancer is completely improving without the doctor treatment. And even the arthritis in the back is being improved. That's the power of the word of God being spoken. The next scripture to confirm the same thing is Isaiah, the next, or two two or three chapters later, Isaiah 57, verse 19. I create the fruit of the lips. Oh, boy. That is enough to go home on. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. God says he creates the fruit of our lips. As we speak, those words have power. God creates those words. As we say, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. The healing is created in our lives. And then he gives us some more. more. He says, peace. Peace to him who is far off and to him who is near. That peace word peace is shalom. The word shalom is a great big word that means nothing missing and nothing broken. That means completeness, wholeness. It says for those who are far off and for those who are near. That's for the Jew and the Gentile. That's for the believer and the unbeliever. That's for God's people. And then it says, and I will heal him. The word heal is Rapha. Rapha is another name for God. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He says he'll create the fruit of our lips. He says he'll give us shalom and healing. You might want to add that to your list of scriptures that you're proclaiming. And the last scripture I'd like to share confirms God's word again. And this is in Jeremiah. So if you just keep going forward in your Bible, Jeremiah 1. And I'm going to start with verse 9. Jeremiah was a young man when he was given the calling of being a prophet for the Lord. And he wasn't so sure he wanted that gift. He's saying, oh, no, God, I can't do that. But this is what God said. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. And verse 12, then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. God says, my word in your mouth, I will watch over it to perform it. I will be alert and active. He's waiting. He's watching. He can't wait for you to speak his word so that he can 
perform it so that he can do with your words what it is that you are speaking in agreement with him. Next week is very practical. What I'm going to be teaching on next week, I call position yourself to receive. And it's how to live what I'm talking about. How to live agreeing with God and not agreeing with the, with the enemy. How to agree with God saying, I want to prosper you. And how not to agree with the enemy. And the stealing and the killing and the destroying. It's a very, very powerful teaching. Please try to be here. So that you, this, the next this session that I'm doing, these four weeks on faith, are the core of God's answer to you to receive all that he has in every area of your life. Okay. I pray a blessing right now over everybody, Father God. I thank you that your word that went forth is deposited in our hearts, in the soil of our hearts. I prayed that before we came in, so I know it's a done deal. So right now, God, I thank you for it. I thank you, God, that that word is so strong in us that it takes root and it grows and it prospers and it produces a rich harvest. I call right now a harvest of healing. I call right now a harvest of, of fullness, that fullness that I just want everyone to know, God, that fullness that you have for your kids. And I thank you, Father, that we all come to a higher and a deeper place in our walk with you as a result. Thank you, Father, for blessing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for healing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.